live from the mysterious mist enshrouded mountaintop fortress that is X and Y Communications Headquarters. You're listening to X and Y on the Fly, the dating podcast with your hosts, Scott and Emily. Oh, how's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome again to another episode of The Big Show. My name is Scott McKay. And I'm Emily McKay. And today we're going to talk about a topic that's way overdue. We should have done this probably years ago, huh, Emily? Oh, yes, especially since we've done this for most of our lives. Well, is it most of our lives? Oh, a good chunk of it. Um, I'm afraid to break it to you. We're older than that. Um, anyway, the topic du jour is indeed blended families. And I'll tell you what, that's an interesting choice of words to describe the phenomenon. I think some families go through more of a Vitamix than a mere uh, blender, don't you think? <laughs> that's funny. That sounds about right. You get pulverized. Pulverized and polarized. Something like that. Yeah, right. Okay, so let's just throw it on the table. Here's what we're talking about here. A man and a woman meet each other. They both have kids from, quote-unquote, previous relationships. That's very common. The man and the woman choose each other. I mean, we hope it's not an arranged marriage. Right. Not in this country, at least. Oh, no. An arranged second marriage? Does that exist? Is that a thing anywhere? Not that I've heard of. Me either. Wow, that's Google-worthy. Interesting. Yeah, if any of you all are in an arranged second marriage, uh, please write us or call us. We'd love to interview you. I'd like to know how that's going. Absolutely. Yeah, but anyway, uh, back to the show at hand. Probably a less interesting topic than arranged second marriages. But anyway, it's probably going to be more meaningful directly to a lot of people. Well, it's because it's going to apply to a lot of people. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Tons of people, probably millions of people, especially kids. Well, especially since they didn't get to make any choices here. Aha, see now, there's the kicker. Man and woman, like I said... Before we got so rudely interrupted by my imagination wandering off in another direction, a man and a woman choose each other. They may have children. Those children, assuming they're not adult children and off on their own, will be living in the same household from now on. So today we're going to talk about all the complexities associated with blending a family. And really, once it's a blended family, it's still going to be a family. It's a unit of people living in the same household together, we hope, Uh, but they are going to not necessarily share the same parents. So what are your initial thoughts on all this, Emily? Why don't you riff on it for a while? Well, you know, we all would love to think that we can, you know, get married and get together, put both families together. Everything's going to be wonderful and shiny, happy, you know, the Brady Bunch imagination. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the Brady Bunch imagination for a second. Back in the day sitcoms on television were shiny and happy all the way back to leave it to beaver right and father knows best and all that stuff father knows best man can you imagine that sitcom title in the year 2022 that's funny no um that would be more like mother knows best or who in the world can possibly know best mother's boss boss mama boss mama yeah there you go that would probably get great ratings Anyway, what happened in the Brady Bunch, of course, is man meets woman. Man has three sons who are conveniently the exact same age as the woman's three daughters. And any problems that arose from there were innocuous, basically. Right. Little, little things. Right. There were no incidences of, say, uh, step bro porn going on in the Brady Bunch household. No, just off the set. Was that a thing? It was. Really? Yes. 
So Marsha and Greg were banging each other off set? What, uh, at least a couple of them were, yes. Wow. The young ones would have been a little... Too young. Too young for that, uh, we would hope. But yeah, obviously, that would probably be a very different show nowadays. Oh, yes. It'd be more like, how much drama can we produce for entertainment purposes? Right, exactly. And ultimately, that would probably be more realistic. Or somewhere in between. Somewhere in between, we hope. So anyway, you have the kids who are brought into this. I mean, we hope that the mom and the dad, or the respective parents, would at least have the kids meet each other. And, of course, we hope that the man has met the woman's kids and vice versa. And if there was an impending disaster looming, I would say that probably would have to hopefully have affected the decision-making process of whether to blend this family to begin with. I mean, obviously, kids aren't going to make the romantic decision on behalf of the parents, but it should at least factor in, shouldn't it, even if the kids aren't in charge? Well, it depends. We're assuming the kids are not in charge. What if one of the kids is an absolute brat, impossible to deal with, mom or dad, whichever the case might be, chooses not to deal with it, and you're just going to have to put up with this brat that will just drive your life insane, or call it quits. I'll be the first to admit that I've broken up with women because of their kids before, but I don't think I was going to marry any of the women I'm thinking of anyway. Well, it's important to realize whether you can get along with their kids. And I mean, you're going to have to be honest about it. I mean, if there's a situation where it's just, you know, the kid is out of control and there's no reining it back, mom chooses or dad chooses not to handle the situation. This is the key point because mom or dad may be trying with all their heart, but some situations mom or dad have no control over. And this is where they need your support. And you have to be willing to do so, if you can. Well, agreed. And that's going to bring up the whole idea of a kid saying to the step-parent, you're not my father, you're not my mother, you're not the boss of me, you have no control over me. So in a situation where a kid is out of control, no discipline whatsoever, and the kid has a very strong personality and tends to make life miserable for everybody... Assuming that the mom and the dad decide, all right, well, we're going to take on this challenge anyway, the mom is still the mom who has no control over her kid, and the stepdad, that kid's not going to give control over to the stepdad. It would have to be one amazingly charismatic stepfather to be able to turn that ship around, given the circumstances. And to be clear, this is not gender-specific. Okay, it could easily be the father's son is out of control, the father's daughter is out of control. I mean, when there's a gender dynamic, too of stepmother, stepdaughter versus stepmother, stepson, etc., that can factor in too. But we're talking about a superhuman expectation. If the mother can't control their son or daughter and the stepfather comes in and magically fixes everything because they're just so darn cool. You know, it sounds like a Jocko Willink book, you know. <laughs> just isn't going to happen. But the two who are dating are going to have to be one united front and come up with a plan. And the natural parent is the one who leads. I agree with that. You know, whatever the natural parent says should be the case in terms of the upbringing of their own child, it can certainly be discussed. There can certainly be suggestions made. But at the end, the step-parent can't take over the parenting of the natural child of the other parent because that'll just lead only to resentment. You brought up a great point. There are parenting styles. 
So let's look at this. If you're going to be dating somebody, as you're getting to know them, you need to learn each other's parenting styles. Do they coexist? Do they get along? Are they in line with one another? Or are they polar opposites? Because if one is, eh, i just going to talk to them. Eh, I'm just going to discuss this problem with my child and let them decide what they're going to do. Or, or is one of them so heavy-handed that you're like thinking this is, you know, borderline abusive? You're going to have to decide whether the two of you can parent together because those are so different. It's like someone wanted to live in Antarctica and the other one wants to live in the desert. Wow, now there's a marriage made in hell. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously, though, the point you're bringing up is a matter of baseline compatibility for that couple. Absolutely. This is one of the deal breakers. It's something you have to be compatible in. Exactly. I mean, how you spend money, where you want to go on vacation, what you eat, the God you pray to, the lever you pull in the voting booth, all of those things are basic matters of whether this couple is going to be built to last or not. Whether they're going to be miserable for the rest of their lives or happy, or at least until the end of this relationship. (laughs) Right, exactly. It is, like I said, something to be considered along with every other way to figure out whether we're going to make it. Long haul uh, or not, except there's one big difference. Other human beings are involved. And these other human beings are super smart. They know when there is a divide between parents and how to play it oh, really yes. like a perfect instrument. Oh, yeah, exactly. And just to kind of finish my previous point, those kids probably didn't have a direct say in the matter. Which kind of sucks if you think about it. Kind of? Okay, so royally. it does. <laughs> it royally sucks. Yeah, I mean, if these kids are brought along for the ride and these two should never have gotten married because of their parenting styles being too different or because this blended family is going to be a blended family disaster, right? Then really, they're going to have to suffer through it. And they didn't choose it. No, and if we think about it, we're setting a bad example for them to repeat our mistakes. Yes, and not only that, the kids are going to act out. So you're setting an example of what a quote-unquote family looks like for every child in that household going forward, which is going to be dysfunctional by design. Right. And at the same time, those kids are not going to be happy with the situation. They're going to feel a little bit victimized, and then they're going to act out. All in the name of, but I'm in love, we'll make it work somehow. You're talking about the parents, not the step-siblings. No. Okay. But when the parents are so blindsided or they're too afraid to take risks or give in or compromise, whatever the case might be, this is the disaster that's created. Sounds extremely selfish to me. Well, it is, yes. Absolutely. So what happens when the family is blended? We've had everybody move into the house. Let's say dad had little boy, little girl. Mom had little boy, little girl. They're all between the ages of, say, 5 and 12. All right. And mom is an incredibly laissez faire parent, like you were alluding to earlier. Oh, the kids get to make their own decisions. You know, children are little angels. They would never do anything wrong. Sure, honey, you can have half a dozen Krispy Kremes right before bedtime and chocolate cake for breakfast. Dad is great. He gives us chocolate cake, you know, like the old <laughs> Bill Cosby skit. And then, um, dad is a disciplinarian and his kids basically are run like, A military platoon. Sergeant Dad. Right, exactly. Sergeant Dad, good one. That'd be a great title. 
I think it's already been done, hasn't it? I don't know. It'd be interesting to find out. Yeah, there's another sitcom idea. Right. Or probably terribly wrong. But anyway, onward. We have a situation where one little boy and one little girl are used to being raised a certain way, and the other little boy and little girl are used to being raised a completely different way. Now, that's going to create a whole lot of resentment. And you know, behind closed doors, the kids who have the quote-unquote cool mom are just going to stick it to the kids who have a dad who's lording it over them. And then there's going to inevitably be some bleed over. There's going to be an attitude that arises on behalf of every one of those kids in the entire household that, one, this isn't fair, and two, it needs to become more fair, and three, I want things more like they have it, and I'm not going to listen to you and the way you lead anymore. Havoc will ensue there. That's why the parents have to be in lockstep. You have to agree on how to move forward with stuff like this. If we have this situation, how are we going to handle it? Are we going to let the kids divide us, or are we going to be a united front? All right, so what does that united front look like? Where's the compromise? What if laissez-faire mom says, oh my goodness, that sounds really abusive. I'm not going to be a disciplinarian with my child. And meanwhile, the other parent goes, you've got to be freaking kidding. You have feral children. That's funny. And they're basically running this house. Right. Up until all hours, uh, eating half gallon of ice cream at 3 a.m. And how are we, first of all, going to rein in the kids who are used to doing whatever the hell they want? And meanwhile, give over a little bit more freedom, maybe not rule with such an iron fist the other kids and have it somehow be equitable. Because in that situation, Emily, I think the kids who are used to an extreme disciplinarian are going to be like, wow, this is freaking great. I got some breathing room. I got some autonomy. Meanwhile, the kids who are used to, well, being feral children are not going to want to be tamed. Are they? No, they're not. And this is where you have to be honest and realize this is a situation that's not going to work. There's no way you can get these kids are going to be on board with the situation. So all we have to present to this audience is nihilism in that case? Well, this is where when you're dating somebody, you have to be in lockstep with ideas and principles. It's like we mentioned earlier. Okay, we've established that though. But what if we're in that relationship? Now what? Well, then you're going to have to put up with being miserable. Well, I don't know if I'm ready to throw in the towel on the whole thing just yet. I think you have a family meeting, and I think you throw out the truth on the table. All right, you two have been raised a certain way so far. You two have been raised a certain way so far. Why don't we have a discussion, a brainstorming session on what way to proceed that's equitable? And then I would absolutely, yes, let the kids have some say in that matter. Because it's kind of like the same psychological dynamic as first grade teachers, well, good first grade teachers know full well. If you tell the kids at the beginning of the school year they need to sit down, shut up, and behave, they'll all try to push those boundaries. If you let the kids decide what the consequences are for breaking certain rules, the kids will come up with far more draconian rules than the teacher would have. Yeah, that is interesting. That is, that is how it works. Yeah, so why couldn't we do that as a blended family? Well, that's an excellent point. And before you have that meeting, mom and dad, or, you know, this couple, have to get together and have a discussion of how this meeting is going to proceed. What will be acceptable, what's not. Again, lockstep. You have to be a united front. Yeah, well, and also, if it hasn't been said yet, let's 
be perfectly clear. If the parents aren't in lockstep about how they're parenting, they need to at least be honest about that. They can't put their head in the sand and go, nah, it'll be all right. He'll see it my way eventually. Right. I can change this other person. Exactly. It's a fixer-upper, but, you know, we got it. The bull in the china shop, ham-fisted approach, right? We got iron-fisted, we got (laughs) ham-fisted, we got heavy-handed. Man, my wrists hurt already from all this weight. (laughs) But anyway, the parents are going to have to be realistic with each other. Like, look, honey, you and I have very different styles. I love you. I want to make this work. But we're going to have to break it to the kids that we all have to live under the same roof. And we're going to have to run this parenting thing in a way that's equally distributed to these children and serves all their needs. In other words, set goals. This is the goal for the family. We want to be happy and united. So let's discuss how we can be happy and united. I think that's a great way to start. You know, we love y'all. You're wonderful. But in order to get along and have satisfaction in our lives, let's have a discussion about it. Well, what's one of our favorite phrases to utter when disciplining our children? It's, is there anything I just said that's unreasonable? Oh, yes, exactly. Right? And of course, the answer is no. no. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Because if you give the kids a chance to speak up for what's going on, then I would say if it's not unreasonable, they have no room to say it is. Now, if they do call you out for being unreasonable, the kids I'm talking about, during this discussion, let them have their say. Respect the opinion, but if they're just being selfish, or if they're just trying to have their own way, or if they're just resisting the change that they already know is imminent, well, then you can have a little good-natured banter back and forth about it. Now, I believe in cranky funny. You know that. Oh, yes. In the midst of such a family conversation, there has to be a little humor injected here and there to remind them that you love them, that this isn't all about, you know, a bunch of rules. You're not trying to run a totalitarian state, although I would argue the parents are the totalitarians. Kids don't get to make the rules. But they do it with love. Right. Exactly. It's benevolent totalitarianism. But back to our family meeting, the kids will agree to rules that are reasonable, and they will have input on what the consequences should be. And if there is more than one child, which there will be by design here, otherwise the natural parent would have the final say in how to raise the one kid in the house. Absolutely. That would make it so much easier. Right. But, you know, when you have a Brady Bunch kind of situation. There are more dynamics. Yes, exactly. Now, in our situation, you had a son and I had a daughter. And we were very fortunate in that they got along great. They really did. Well, most people thought they were natural siblings. Yeah, they even kind of looked alike. I know, right? It was interesting. Your son is four years older than my daughter. And interestingly enough, the son we have together, John, is four years older than his natural sister, Sarah. Yeah, so we have that same dynamic happen in the house all over again. It's like deja vu. And those two kids got along really well. I think we got lucky. Had they not gotten along really well, if one was abusive in any way, shape, or form towards the other, we would have had to have had a serious sit-down about it. And we would have had to have seen if that behavior pattern was going to change, or else it may have been the end of our relationship. That's right. Or the end of the relationship with the child, depending on the severity of the situation. 
In other words, you would just abandon the child for the sake of your new husband or wife? <laughs> no. What do you mean by that? Well, if the child poses a, an absolute threat, like there was one family that I knew of that she had called me. She says that they were having to split up, not divorce, but the son was abusing physically the daughter. Right. I've heard of a family situation where the son was sexually assaulting the yes. daughter also. Right. Yeah, well, that's extreme. The, and that's not very common, but, you know, those things do happen. Well, I would say, let's just throw a blanket over such a situation in the manner of any time there's an abusive situation physically or sexually within your household, that person needs to be removed from the household. I don't care who they are. Yes, uh, different plans need to be made for them. Or if the child becomes a threat to anyone in the family, you know, mom, dad, stepmom, stepdad. Right, right, exactly. So with that in mind, let's talk about some other ways the parents are relating to the children going forward. I am not your son's father. One of the things that, in my estimation, I did right was make it perfectly clear to your son, David, that I'm not his father. I'm not going to try to replace his father. I don't expect him to call me dad. He has always called me Scott, which is fine. And my input in his life is going to be based on how much he welcomes it. Now, if there are situations where I feel like some intervention has to happen right here and right now, I wouldn't have been shy about it. And I wasn't. Anytime you want me to be in support of your parenting because you felt like having a man by your side representing in front of your son was going to be helpful, I did that. But you took the lead in parenting your son, and I took the lead in parenting my daughter. And indeed, my daughter Danielle never was required to call you mom. You're not her mother. And you never tried to be her mother. That's right. Right. And I think that worked out very well. I think that helped a lot. Now, what if there's a situation where one or more of the kids has an absentee parent? Like, in other words, what if your son's father wasn't in his life or vice versa? Would that empower the other parent, the step-parent, to take a larger role? Or would it even necessitate that parent playing a larger role? Well, you're a teen. Right. So seeing it as this is his or her problem... In a case like that, you have to work as a team with, you know, the natural parent taking the ultimate lead, but always as a decision that's made in private between the two parents. In other words, hey, I could really use some help in giving my son a male role model. Yes. Would you be up to that challenge? Are you willing to take it on? And this can be done without replacing the missing father. You know, being an example, being a role model doesn't mean you have to be dad to this person. I mean, even as adults, we have role models, but we don't think of them as parents. Well, and to help make your point, I always was very careful about the image I was portraying of manhood for your son, even though I wasn't, quote unquote, replacing his father. Now, that all said, I think some guys are very fearful of a single mom looking for a man to replace the father in this son's life as a primary goal, which, if anything, only highlights the need for conversation between the man and the woman. And guys, those of you who are listening to this, if you're dating a single mom and things are starting to get serious, have this conversation. 
Don't bury your head in the sand like an ostrich, hoping, uh, you know what, maybe it'll all turn out. Say to the woman, are you looking for a replacement for dad in this relationship? Or are you looking for me to be your partner, your lover, and you're going to raise this kid by yourself and it's hands off? How are we going to approach this? Again, conversation. setting rules and boundaries. Yes, that's really what it all comes down to. Well, we've run out of time, and I think that this conversation has focused in all the right places. I think so, too, yeah. because, you know, blended families are very common, and it's very important to find a way to make them work. Yeah, and if you're in such a relationship, drop us an email at scottandemily at scottandemily.com. Gentlemen, if you're listening to this on the Mountaintop Podcast feed, write me at scott at mountaintoppodcast.com. And ask us any questions you have about blended families. I know there are a lot of different ways this could go. But, you know, ultimately, it will all come down to that basic issue of baseline compatibility. Like, okay, she's Catholic, he's Jewish. Where do we take these kids to worship in the weekend? Well, that's something that has to be decided in terms of your basic compatibility before you even consider blending the family. It's all parenting styles. Right. It's it makes all a difference. Com- right. It all comes down to the same thing. Do you have kids who only get cool stuff at Christmas time and their birthday? Or are you lavishing upon them whatever you need and spending the money all year long? Whether you spoil your kids, whether you try to make them earn every dollar to pay for everything they buy, all of that is decided as a measure of basic compatibility between the two parents before it gets handed down to the blended family full of children. Right. And this can be so scary to sit down and have a talk with your significant other, the person that you're in love with, to be vulnerable and say, hey, this is how I'm feeling. This is, you know, how I like to raise my child. And here's the issues I'm having with your children or the situation between us. But if we had that conversation when we're not in the heat of the moment, it goes a whole lot better. If you approach it when there's not all this elevated emotions, it'll go much better. Agreed, 100%, which is probably why we're basically compatible. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so ultimately, yes, it comes down to discussion between mom and dad. Early. Potential husband and wife. And the measures of basic compatibility impact everybody involved including the kids, perhaps especially the kids. And then wrangling them in and having a discussion. (laughs) Right. I love that idea of the family discussion. And if it's important to have a discussion of compatibility with someone you're going to theoretically spend the rest of your life with happily, that goes double if there are children involved. It is an absolute moral imperative not to shy away from any hard discussion that has to happen, face the music, because. You're doing it not only for each other, but for your kids as well. Otherwise, it'd be selfish. You bet. And with that, we want to thank you all for listening in. Gentlemen, you can go to mountaintoppodcast.com, download my free book, Sticking Points Solved. Get on my calendar to talk to me free for 25 minutes while you're there by clicking the red button in the upper right-hand corner. And ladies, if you're listening to this, go to scottandemily.com front slash podcast. And remember, my name's spelled with one T. S-C-O-T-A-N-D-E-M-I-L-Y.com front slash podcast. And you too can get on our calendar and talk to us free for 25 minutes about what's going on in your dating life or your relationship. And perhaps we can put a plan of action together to get you 
uh, well, to where you want to be to help you reach your goals. Right, Emily? We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. And so from X and Y Communications in San Antonio, Texas, this is Scott McKay. And this is Emily McKay. Be good. And have fun. You've been listening to the X and Y on the Fly Dating Podcast with Scott and Emily McKay. Copyright 2009 by the X and Y Communications Worldwide Media Casting Network. Be sure to listen to Scott and Emily's other podcasts, including The Chick Whisperer, Dating Cast, and Online Dating Profile Rating, all found on iTunes or at x-net-media.com. Also, check out Scott and Emily on the web at www.deservewhatyouwant.com. This is Ed Roy Odom speaking for the X and Y Communications Worldwide Media Casting Network. Be good and have fun.